If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. How are you doing? Hope you're well. I'm hanging in there. A little cold here in Minneapolis. We're in the deep January freeze here in Minneapolis. It's a bit Arctic right now, but it feels about right. Those uh, 40 plus degree days a few weeks ago with the rain in early January left me feeling a little eerie. So I'm glad to see some normal weather. Hey, I just want to thank those of you for the feedback over the past couple of episodes. Sounds like the conversation I had with Laurel Van Meter struck a chord for many of you. Some really good stuff in there if you haven't checked it out yet. And uh, she and I are planning to do a series this year, so stay tuned. And don't forget, Weed the People, uh, Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake's new documentary about the use of medical cannabis in the U.S. is now available for download. It's pretty amazing. I got to see a screener, and uh, it, I, I think it's a really important film, so go check that out. If this is your first time listening to Highway to Health, welcome. This is, podcast is an exploration of our world through the lens of health. Uh, through conversations with some of the most brilliant and curious minds in and around the world of health. I hope that together we can find a better way to take care of ourselves, each other, and the planet. It's a community I think we'd all like to become better connected to, and I want this to be your podcast. So please send me your thoughts, suggestions, and uh, guests or topics for recommendation. I really appreciate it, and so will everyone else. Uh, Today I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Lynn Gershon, uh, Medical Director of Integrative Health and Well-Being at the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. But before that, uh, just a few things here. Uh, just, a, just a reminder that Highway to Health is now on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Buzzsprout, and Stitcher. So whether you're on a subway, a bus, in your car, at your desk, or strolling down the sidewalk, there's always an easy way to hear us. Also, could you, would you, please take a moment if you haven't already, and leave us a a rating and review. It really helps to increase our visibility among the thousands of podcasts out there. Uh, It just takes a couple of seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of your podcast app and give it some stars. And if you have something nice to say about the podcast uh, or an episode that you liked, please write a review. Uh, a A few words might help someone find us and hit play and get some information. Uh, One last thing, we are still in the building phase of this project, and if you'd like to see it grow uh, and create more research and community support, would you consider a monthly donation? You can uh, donate as little as $1 a month by going to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash highway to health. And if you want to learn more about our mission with the podcast and its community, check out the two-minute video on our Patreon page. So my guest today, Dr. Lynn Gershon, Our our conversation started over this past summer, and I knew right away she was someone I wanted to have on the podcast. She's the medical director of integrative health and well-being at uh, University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital, and her focus is helping children with complex illnesses uh, to build resistance and I mean, sorry, resilience um, and create support through integrative health care 
Her research interests, similar to mine, are the autonomic nervous response uh, of children through integrative therapies. And she brings an impressive skill set as an MD who is also trained in Chinese traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. We share our experiences in this conversation working with children and families, but also we dig into something that's coming up a lot in my conversations with other integrative health uh, professionals, which is developing a way to communicate and creating a language for how we coordinate across many divisions of care and how we, you know, by, by learning each other's languages, we are educating each other and informing the possibilities of our care practices. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Lynn Gershon. So when when did you originally get into the more eastern side of of your work? So I think I think it wasn't necessarily always traditional Chinese medicine. I think I was just interested in other ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. So having started out as a neonatologist, I was really interested in um, at that time what was thought to be a little bit different. Uh, care of um, small premature babies was kangaroo care. So keeping babies skin to skin with their moms Uh and then finally it gathered an evidence base and wow, you know, those babies uh, gained weight faster and, you know, it did really well. So I was really interested in things like that. What are these other kinds of things, particularly touch therapies that were helpful? So I was particularly interested in um, infant massage and uh, how we can, you know, help babies, you know, in that way as well, and also give parents another way to bond with their with their children yeah. if we're able to teach them those things. Yeah. So when uh, our daughter came to us, I had um, the experience of somebody said, well, what do you want, you know, as a, as a gift? And I said, well, I want somebody to teach my husband and myself how to do infant oh, yeah, massage. Yeah, nice. And so that was uh, one of the best, you know, best gifts that we got. And uh, then I decided that I really wanted to spend more time with my family. And being in an intensive care field, uh, really, that wasn't really working. So I went back into general pediatrics and I had a wonderful partner. And patients started and their families started saying things to me like, well, do we have to use antibiotics all the time for ear infections? (laughs) And is there something else that we can do for this? And my child has ADD. Um, I don't know what to do, but I really don't want to give him or her medication. Right, yeah. And I realized that my medical school education and residency didn't really prepare me for this. And actually how, unfortunately, little time that we actually were able to spend in nutrition particularly. Yeah. And so I decided to piece by piece, little by little, go back and get training in different things. And so I looked for something that kind of made sense for me in how I could put all these other things in context. Yeah. And so for me, traditional Chinese medicine was able to do that because it has different pillars of nutrition and movement and the philosophical part and um, the herbal slash pharmacologic part. Right. So for me, it, it wasn't necessarily, it didn't have to be uh, specific comparison for comparison, but it just kind of gave me a context, you know, f- for me to wrap my head around did, another did, way of doing things. Did it seem like a departure at the time from from what you had done in medicine, or did you see the correlation right away? 
Um, I guess because I really enjoy philosophy and history, um, and I went to uh, a medical school where that philosophy and history, I mean, we were one of the first medical schools, McGill is one of the first medical schools to teach a history of medicine class. Oh, yeah. And so I think that that kind of, it was just a continuity for me. Oh, you know, cool. it was just kind of an, a way of, the, of, of learning. And so it really just made sense to me. And all the things that I feel like I learned before that, uh, after that, for example, um, you know, the herbal part of traditional Chinese medicine, I just felt that I wanted to understand that more from how I could use North American herbs rather than Chinese herbs mm. in my practice um, because I felt that they were just more accessible for for the people that I was working with and it was just something that I I guess I, I just really felt like I had always been interested in as well. Which which ones do you do you work with? Um, the herbs that I like to work with now mostly um, kind of overlap sometimes with the essential oils that I work with. Mm. Um, so I might work with lavender, I might work with chamomile and make compresses or um, for um, specific family members, for example, I may make tinctures or glycerites. Um, I use things like uh, for people who have difficulty sleeping, kind of maybe hops and lavender in a muslin uh, bag, for example, mm-hmm. might be something that, that we would do. So, um, And people like to be able to, I think, go back to nature and go back to the soil. And mm-hmm. so if they can grow those in their own gardens, they're even happier about yeah, that. Yeah. And I think having children be able to participate in that is yeah, also sure. cool. And so then that sparked an interest in nature-based therapies as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it just kind of makes a circle all the time. What, what, what year was this that you decided to kind of like go back and do that? Wow. Um, probably um, 97. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right that around fits. the time that I started. Yeah. Well, it's, and, I, and I do think that there was this trend that, you know, mm-hmm. there were things, I think there were some insurance-based problems at the time. Mm-hmm. I think people were, you know, start, it was, that was the beginning of, of, I think, pre-existing condition things starting to be a right. challenge. And then just the affordability of <laughs> healthcare at that point also right. really kind of changed. And, and yeah, I, I felt like that was a big part of the beginning of my practice was that, you know, in, in some ways they were getting a little more direct attention mm-hmm. than maybe they had been getting in certain clinic settings or, you know, they were seeking education. And that, that was just a strong part of who I was, was right. I had, you know, thought about being a teacher at some point. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was a perfect match for a lot of people. And I think there is something in, in this, you know, way of doing things, the kind of the, this, this connection to, you know, the more innate part of our planet and mm-hmm. our own natural healing process that does kind of stimulate something in someone a lot of times where they're, they, it just kind of feels, you know, maybe it's just an instinct or something, right. but I can, I can always kind of see it come out with people where they're like, Oh, that makes sense. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, and then they'll kind of run off with things on their own a lot of times. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, as a physician, it maybe wasn't always super popular or super accepted um, in some of the fields that I came in contact with. And I think, you know, as I do most things, I, I think one of the things I really believe if you um, if you surround yourself with like-minded people, that that's a good thing for you. Yeah. And also that 
um, if you surround yourself with good people, good things will happen. And so I think that was also part of that mm-hmm. for me, you know, and um, finding other people in the acupuncture community who were accepting, you know, whether they were physicians or whether they were acupuncturists who were really understanding of of why I was doing this um, and didn't feel prejudiced against that or that I was taking something you know, from that practice. And, yeah. and I think having that community is important for all of us. Yeah. Has, has, has pediatric work always been kind of your interest yes. since the beginning? Yeah. yeah. Even, yeah, before medical school. Really? Yeah. I yep. did uh, pediatric recreational therapy in um, the hospital before I, um, before I even went to medical school. Ah. And I thought, oh, this is cool. And I think I was learning development without really realizing I was learning development, you know, child yeah. development. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. There's another connection to our, our friend Stacy, who's, uh-huh. who's been on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> with with uh, with the recreational therapy. That's yes. interesting. Yes. Did you did you were you involved in any other things with with kids before that? Um, I think I um, you know I had some. Uh, part-time jobs where um, I took care of children with I call it disabilities um, and um, yeah. and I, I enjoyed that you know I, I sometimes you know I, I, I didn't realize it then but how much some of those parents and families just needed a break yeah and so really that's what I was providing I was right. providing a little bit of respite for them something that I think we still haven't really identified a way to safely do that for yeah. many patients and families, you know. But that. using the, the sort of skill set that you have, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's that's like one sort of connecting point with everybody is that if you're working on stress and anxiety or sleeping or whatever, they the whole family kind of gets right brought into that. Absolutely. Which is, I, I have the same thing in my practice when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm treating newborns, and they're. A lot of times, when there's when there's any challenge with the child, the parents and their relationship, and and the re- any any relationships connected to it, a lot of times, I'll have you know the grandmother in the room, mm-hmm. or a caregiver of some sort, and so you, you you kind of sense this ecosystem being out of balance, and it's mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I I found myself that, and and I will sometimes comp sessions for parents who I just feel like have been really through a hard mm-hmm. stretch. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that just treating the baby is going to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. When I do that, I mean, it's it's almost 100% shift in what was going on with yeah. the newborn. Whereas if I don't get to do that, or if I only have like, you know, the baby and the mother come in to see me, it's a very different situation than if I have like both parents or the parent and at least another caregiver. Right. Because they are all kind of hearing, you know, what the challenge is for the mother and the baby or just the baby or whatever, but it's still... I'm, I'm getting a lot more information that way. And I, I think in that kind of, whether it's a dyad or a triad or more people, yeah. it's it's really interesting because everyone, especially for newborn, bonds with that child in a different way. Yeah. And just to even think about, sometimes there's guilt associated with the fact that I don't have the same feelings as this other person in the family. Is right. What did I do? Yeah. What's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and that that's okay that everybody, you know, also develops feelings um, or matures feelings like that at a different, in, you know, different time frames, yeah. and that's okay. <clears throat> even know? even mothers. I mean, I think we yes. we all think that mothers are going to sort of have this in, in immediate bonding experience, mm-hmm. but 
sometimes they're coming out of a like, you know, maybe they were on bed rest for the part of their pregnancy or they just had a really bad delivery or had a C-section or something coming out of it. They're not necessarily like in a great energetic state to be really connecting with anybody. Right, right. And so it's, yeah, I I think it's really important for, for health professionals to sort of like be aware of what the dynamic is to start that maybe they, you know, I, I, that's one of the things I feel like is I almost kind of help this bonding process Mm -hmm. a little bit on some level. And and I even, I have, you know, quite a few people who even come to see me who have adopted children Mm -hmm. and they, they use, you know, my work as, yeah, I think just a way to sort of like help, you know, create this little bridge, you know, for, for everybody. It's really nice actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much of the work that we all do is about relationships, right? Right. And relationship building and sometimes modeling behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And it, it probably, I imagine for you as it did for me, it helped to have children of your own to be able to yes. really understand some Absolutely. of those things. Not that you have to, but I think, you know, I, I, I suddenly became much more aware of like, the dynamics. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it, I, it enriches your experience, I think, as, as a healthcare provider, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what, what you've, you've also worked in different places mm-hmm. around the country. You, you worked, where did you start your career on? So I finished, um, after leaving Montreal, I finished my uh, neonatal fellowship in St. Louis, and then yeah. we moved um, to Milwaukee. So that was like my first official job okay. um, as a, a neonatal intensivist. Um, and so, and that's also where I had my private pediatric practice for 14 years. Okay. And, um, and so then after that, we moved to Salt Lake City, where I started oh, the yes, integrative right. program there. And that was a wonderful experience, actually. Um, they, they brought you specifically to start this program, or? Um, well, my husband and I were a, a package deal. Oh, you packaged so deal. he yeah, went. Right. Yeah, he went as the head of pediatric pulmonary, and okay. um, I don't think uh, they told me two years later that they finally understood what I did. So <laughs> yeah. I think they really just took a leap of faith and said, "You're going to start a, a something program." Okay, cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're here to support you. And so that was true. They were very supportive. I think they just didn't get it. And by the end of, you know, it usually takes about two years to find your your way and build the relationships and for people to understand and what you do. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's at least, about I at, think. Le- at least, yes. But if you have, some, you know, a, a really good support system around you, which, which I did then, yeah. um, then I, that makes it just so much easier. And by yeah. the end of that, they, they said, which is what I hope everyone would says is that you, not just you, you know, meaning the integrative health provider should be seeing every patient in the hospital, but that we as a group, as, a, as providers, should all be doing this to the extent that we have knowledge and are able to do that. And I think that's what we're really asking people, right, is to have a holistic approach. Everybody doesn't have to know how to do everything, no. but we do have to know how to talk to each other. We do have to, you know, be able to speak some common language where we can... Um, communicate about different perspectives on different yeah. types of care that are given, yeah. and we have to be able to have reliable providers um, once someone leaves the hospital um, that we can refer to. Yeah, and that's so. and that's a that's a challenge. I mean, I think that's a really I think that's that's we're still we're still working on that mm-hmm. as a you know health community in this field. But you know, I, I can imagine from from 
when you're dealing with with say you know new parents or even even someone like when you're you know starting in a new clinic like this and have no other relationships and you have something very specific that you've been treating with what do you call it acu acu point acu point therapy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and with herbs and stuff they've probably had no experience with it whatsoever yeah yeah and that's yeah that's certainly true i mean this this really um uh came to my mind when i was um I went with Northwestern Health Sciences um, in April of uh, 2017. We went to China, and I was invited to go there, and I was invited to speak to um, the pediatric group there, so um, at Henan University. And um, at the end, um, one of the um, pediatricians there said, how come, if we have done all this research in these areas, how come you... I think what she was saying is you you don't believe us. How come you just don't use what we already have uh-huh. have researched? Yeah. And I said, well, I mean, I was kind of taken aback because I I I feel like I try to do that, you know. And I I think what she was saying was, you know, you as a as a um, healthcare group in the United right. States, like what do you? And no, I that, thought not you personally. No, no. And I and I understood that, but but then I was like, well, I. I I kind of understand what she's saying, and I and I said, well, we can't. On one hand, that's what this conversation is about. That's mm-hmm. what me coming here is about, and you know, and you coming to visit us would be about. Yeah. But that's the conversation. But but what about what we all, you know, in in academics, everybody's well. What's the evidence base? You know, has it been published? All that. Yeah. And we we don't or can't read each other's literature. So. Um, so much of what they've done hasn't been translated for me, or it hasn't been indexed to Scopus or or the, the way that I can access that from my medical library, for example, or even on the internet, because it just hasn't even been translated. So we ended up talking a little bit about that. So it's not only when we speak the same language, do we use the same words, it's Sometimes we don't speak the same language, but there's so much of their rich experience that we could learn from. And that's true for so many things. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So so what's being proposed? Have you guys come up with any ideas for how to... So I think Northwestern is, you know, continuing uh, that relationship. um, And I believe that they'll be going again, um, you know, in 2019. So that's awesome. And, you know, it's these... You know, again, it's about those relationships. You know, if you have somebody, oh, yes, I can call you or I can email you yeah. or you can come visit and come and, you know, see see what we're doing. Uh, I think that is, you know, uh, really is is what, what needs to happen so that yeah. we can all learn. I mean, I, I think it's a constant learning yeah. experience. I was um, – I remember – I was at a um, medical acupuncture conference several years ago, and there was a uh, very well-funded researcher came and talked about the fascia. And he talked about it as an acupuncturist researcher. And so he said, you know, if you go to the Smithsonian, you can see that there's a whole uh, exhibit just of the fascia alone, mm-hmm. and you can actually see the connections. And so he started showing some of the scientific evidence for how acupuncture um, works by connecting at the level of the fascia. Yeah. So I was talking to my Cairo, and I said something about the fascia, and I, I realized that we're saying fascia together, we're each saying the same word, and how the perspective on what we're thinking about that and how that works and how it specifically impacts the specific way that we 
each individually deliver health care is very different. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just found that fascinating. Same words, and we're still not even there yet. <laughs> right. And there's, there, I always feel like there's this big crossover, too, between between fascia being enervated mm-hmm. and the electrical part of who we are, our makeup. You right. Know? And, I, and, I, and, you know, the, the, I've, I, had, I had this sort of aha experience early on in my career where I started realizing that on some level, whatever challenge we're facing mm-hmm. really relates back to energy. Mm-hmm. That it all kind of ends up back there somehow. And so, you know, every time I go through these, like, I'm sure you deal with some very challenging things and it's sort of like, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to sleuth and get down to like something very specific. But in that process, you should really also just start with, let's focus on what the energetic, energetic needs or demands, you know, have been and what we can do to sort of work on those pieces mm-hmm. as we're going through this process. Yeah. Cause there's always, I always feel like, you can always work on nu- nutrition and sleep yes. and, and, and movement, which also helps our energetic systems. Mm-hmm. Very simple, but I mean, and that's, that's where I always start with people. I think that that brings me back to what you said about, you know, your families and trying to have, you know, as many people in the room as possible. Because um, one of my patients was talking the other day. She said, even about the diagnosis I've been given, she said, I realize within the, my own family there are, and these are her words, believers and non-believers. Uh, yeah. And how painful it was for her, for the non-believers. I mean, all that energy around that, right. that negative energy, yeah. even just around that discussion for her. And, and what was the belie- what, belie- belief around what, what were they, what was About the About her pain diagnosis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's... That's that's a big one. I, I I read something you know early on in my career that's you know I think helped me, and I also came from a chronic pain situation, mm-hmm. so I, I think I had to I was I was trying to deal with that. But one of one of the sort of precepts I think of all of this is that pain is in the in the brain. Mm-hmm. You know that it's that it's you know it's in our nervous system. Yeah. So that it's you know a lot of times when you go to a, a a, a doctor who's starting to question, you know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's just when, when people feel like they, they don't have answers for you, mm-hmm. the, the, easy, the easy out is it's in their head, mm-hmm. right? And the same thing happens with our families. I think there's a lot of that that goes on, but <clears throat> it's really in the, it's in the brain. It's right. like, it's, 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 it's in there, it's programmed in right now. Yes. And that's, that's a really hard one for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That, and that belief system part of things too, even for, even for people I think who are are seeking care or, you know, tr- trying to figure out a, a plan for themselves. It's part of our role to understand this person's belief system too. Right, right, and within the context of their family, things that we don't even understand yet. How much of how one perceives pain is modeling behavior? Mm-hmm. How much is your pharmacogenomics? Like how much how you handle any specific pain remedies you've been given, um, you know, it's pretty complicated. It's not just one thing. And and I remember I had um, a large group of, because we had a headache clinic in Salt Lake City before I came to the University of Minnesota, and how many of those were teenage girls who had school refusal, who had chronic migraines and dysmenorrhea. Mm-hmm. And how common that was 
for them to have that in other female members of their family. So how do you separate out when you're trying to solve this, as you said, sleuth out this this issue? (laughs) How do you separate out how much of it is that modeling behavior? I've always grown up, and every time... You know, my mom has a headache. This is what she does, so that you've observed that as a child. Yeah, yeah. And how much of that is what you possibly inherited in terms of how you manage pain, et cetera. It's just um, it, that I think is is stuff that you know we've only barely begun to to touch on. Yeah. You know, in terms of understanding. And and in, and in terms of like you know getting the information from somebody. How, how we're actually getting information. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I think there are certain things that people will answer on paper. Yes. And then there are certain things mm-hmm. that if you just really have a conversation with them and, you know, I, sometimes I, I'll do a super quick review of the paper so that I don't know too much almost. It's mm-hmm. like I want to kind yeah. of like I'll go back through it. But the, for some of the first questions I have are, are really sort of just down to the, you know, basic level of, I, I kind of want to get a sense of what this person's stress mm-hmm. and anxiety levels are right mm-hmm. from the beginning. So, you know, how how easy is it going to be to kind of like work from here? Yes. <laughs> you know, and then and then you know we'll get into the details. But mm-hmm. a lot of times I get all this information at that point. That's that's right. really. I'm sure you have some similar. Yeah, and you know when you've hit the key, you know when you've done it, <laughs> yeah. right? You don't always know how to get there, but you know when you've done it. One of the things that I learned from someone else, and I think it's been super valuable, is there's this part of the intake form, the initial intake form that I have that. Um, it's either the parent narrative or the child narrative. Oh, yeah. And, you know, tell us the most important things in your own words, what you think that we need to know mm-hmm. about, about why you're here. Yeah. And um, that, I mean, I may flip through the rest, but all of a sudden, I, you know, I, I, I kind of yeah. glean yeah, as yeah. much as possible from that mm-hmm. because that's like, okay, you're asking me to tell my story. Right. Oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I've been waiting story. to tell somebody. Yes. That's that's what I always yes. feel like too. Yes. And 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 you can tell when they've been through some bad visits mm-hmm. with somebody else cuz you can tell that they just didn't feel like, like mm-hmm. anyone heard them yet. Right. Right. What what is your role now here at at, at the U? So I'm the uh, medical director of pediatric integrative health and well-being okay. um, at Masonic Children's Hospital ah. in the Department of Pediatrics. So, um, and I, you may have heard me say this before, but I, I changed the name before they they had me call it integrative medicine when I was in Salt Lake City, and I I really thought that really when I when we moved here, I didn't really feel like that name embodied what I think we really need to be, which is. Um, which is focused on the continuum, mm-hmm. um, healing as much as is possible. And whatever that patient really deems as well-being, you know, right. even if that patient is on hospice, yeah, yeah. you know, what is well-being in that, in that time for that particular individual? Um, and that it involves everyone working together. So when you say integrative health, I think that's much more encompassing of, of the way that I think integrative health needs to be practiced in the future, you know, with many different yeah. practitioners um, doing stuff and, you know, some cross-training, but everybody doing stuff together. I think that's such a great, like, to, to talk about timelines sometimes mm-hmm. with, with what we're working on really is kind of 
how we figure out what an integrative plan is because mm-hmm. you know like you're saying like with the continuum of healing you know for some for someone who's who's in hospice you, you might be breaking it down to a series of days mm-hmm. whereas like you know say someone recovering from hip surgery you know we're we're going to look at a month or so yes. <laughs> right? yes. and then the 6 month you yes. know markers so you really have to kind of like put these things in perspective and i i have the same kind of challenge with integrative health as I started kind of using it about ten years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, and then I started. The, the, the more I'm kind of involved in things, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to think about myself as like an integrationist, but it, but I'm only as integrative as the people that I'm coordinating care with. Yes, and that's and that's kind of the thing about just labeling myself as integrative health. I'm actually not. I'm kind of in this in, in a specific pocket and. I'm sure you have the same problem I do with like trying to define a title for what it is I do. Right. It's and a constant educational process. Right, right, right. <laughs> Thank goodness you were interested in teaching. <laughs> <laughs> and I had and I was an English major at one point. There so you I go. I have, I have words for different things. Go. I keep kind of working on the words. But yeah, it's I you know, I how how do you present this to, you know, a, a new place that you're working or, you know, and putting it into marketing materials or whatever you're doing? Um, that that same type of thing. Um, we kind of have like a little, you know, you have an, you know, sometimes it's an elevator speech. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, we have buttons too that say, ask me about integrative health. Um, you know, I would wear a sandwich board if I could. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that... Uh, we we I try to avoid and I and I'll tell people this on a first visit I try to avoid breaking it down into modalities because you know in other words oh well this integrative person does you know traditional Chinese medicine and this one does functional medicine and this one does yeah, yeah, you, um, you know different things because I think that really limits and and doesn't really say what the the approach you know i think integrative health is an approach and it's a mindset and it's um it, it's a collaborative effort right. um on everyone's on everyone's part and so that's the way i try to present it to the residents i will say similar to what we've said before my job is to put myself out of business because you guys are all doing this right right so so it depends who i'm talking to yeah but um for a parent i'll usually start with what kinds of things have you done in the past? What is what have you found helpful? Um, and sometimes I'll ask them, you know, around, about cultural healing practices, and nobody's ever asked them that. Yeah, yeah. And um, but it may be really important for them to have a specific ritual, or to make a specific food, or to have a dream catcher in the room, or right. whatever those things are. And I think those things are important too. Um, yeah, I, it's a, yeah. We, you and I talked about this before. This is that the cultural aspect of this is is really getting down to. The, it, it probably has something to do with the, the reason that placebo works, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you if you believe this thing can help you, mm-hmm. the the science is there right now that, that those things the, those things are helpful. And and a, sometimes it is this kind of this therapeutic relationship, you know, work that someone can deal with 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 you personally that that helps them through a process and. And like the reason I don't like integrative health in some respects as a term is because mm-hmm. I want to think about in anyone that I'm working with, I want to help them heal as a whole person. Yes. And and mm-hmm. so, you know, like you're saying, like breaking it down into the sum of, well, you go to this person for this. Mm-hmm. And you, I think I think people can work on their whole person stuff a lot with one person. Yes. 
but there may be a, a point at which, you know, I think this resource would be really good for mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you two would be a good match. Like mm-hmm. getting it down, staying at that personal level, I think. Right. And, and I, I can imagine you, you're kind of referring when there's, when it's the right thing or you, you know, you must have a, a team. Right. So it's really different in the hospital right. than in, in, the, in the outpatient clinic. So, um, and it's really different um, depending on whether someone is really truly a, a younger child or an infant right. or yeah, actually yeah. in that transition phase of going to adulthood because um, mm. you really don't want to lose anyone. And so because I haven't lived here as long as I've lived some of the other places, um, I'm still connecting to who are those people, you know, in the adult community. Yeah. So... Um, have you, have you stayed connected with kids that you treated and, and they, they feel like they want to connect, stay connected with you? Um, from other places yeah, that I've lived? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know, um, not not through me personally, but through others. Yeah. And so um, when I was in general pediatrics, I mean, I practiced in the same community I lived. So I would see people in the grocery store yeah. and um, and the um, the office manager that from our practice mm, yeah. um, will tell me who's who and what's going on and we'll pass on messages oh, from so you know nice. our old patients and now patients who are now having families of their own yeah. which is you know then you know you've been doing this for a while <laughs> I, I was just yeah. curious because I, I also have uh, yes. my my oldest baby is is thirteen now. Uh-huh. That I started treating, and parents will find me on Facebook and like, oh, which is great yep. for me. Then I get to see pictures of them. Right. And like, I, I, I for some reason I have this, this ability to like really remember the faces mm-hmm. of the baby when they were mm-hmm. when they when they first came to see me. There's something about that first impression yeah. for me that's like really strong, and it's oftentimes that it looks nothing like. Mm-hmm. What they became as you know right. older kid too, right. so it's, it's fun. <laughs> that's funny. That's cute. Yeah. That's do you, do you? Is there anything that you really specifically like working with? Um, in terms of um, types of just any, are there any like mm-hmm. challenging things that you 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 find yourself get, getting drawn to over and over again or. I, I think, you know, I don't just by the nature of the work that I do, I, I just like that that there's a balance. I mean, I think one yeah, of the yeah. things within the hospital that I have an opportunity to do a lot is integrative oncology for kids, mm. you know, and so kind of knowing um, when people come with specific things, maybe that relatives have asked or things like that, if I have to... I, I consider it a personal challenge if I have right. to say no to something um, because of a drug interaction or a drug and herbal interaction or something. I will look for something that the patient and family will find hopefully equally satisfying, yeah. even if it doesn't even fit in the same category. Um, and I'll ask them when they want to give something, what is their goal? What is it that they want to achieve? And once you understand what they want to achieve is it um, Im- immune support or is it fatigue support or or what that is specifically in in oncology? I think then you can help people realize that in another way. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I say things like, you know, no doesn't mean no forever. It just means not right now because of this reason and this reason. And I think I I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to help someone feel that 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 they're they're doing what they can do to support their family member or to support uh, yeah. themselves in their own diagnosis 
um, even if it's something a little different, maybe than they thought that yeah. they were going to do. So yeah. I like that. Can, can can you describe the, the how you like at, at what points you start or how how you start with AccuPoint mm. work? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with a few different populations because I'm still trying to to understand it for myself. And I and I've I've plenty of acupuncture experience, and uh-huh. I, my my son has had some acupuncture experience at this point because of uh, uh-huh. Dr. Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, it, w- it would be interesting to kind of you know I think get a little bit of that arc. I think, um, you know, one of the things, even if I'm in the neonatal intensive care unit and they ask me to consult, say, for somebody who's trying to wean off medication, that um, you know, analgesics or something they've been on for a long time and they seem uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like that yeah, would be yeah. a typical diagnosis. Okay. I mean, I'll start by having the parents and the nurse, usually, and the residents, if they're around, at the bedside with me as I go through my my exam and I'll show them specifically, you know, why am I looking at this tiny little baby's index finger and what is that telling me? And so I'll start incorporating some elements of that Chinese medicine just from the very beginning of, and I'll just kind of talk out loud about this. And if the child seems upset and I do a specific maneuver, a grounding maneuver or, um, or something and the child calms, you know, both the you know the nurses and the parents are so trained to look at the numbers on the monitor in an intensive care unit that they'll say even without me usually drawing attention to it they'll say wow the heart rate just went down and then that's an entree to discuss uh, something yeah. else or yeah. to discuss the parasympathetic nervous system or or something like that and and how we're trying to balance those things so i think that that process of to me that's that's all part of that acupoint thing because I'm doing something or I'm I'm moving my hands in the direction of a meridian as I'm doing as I'm talking to a family and I'm explaining why why the child is calm right now because I'm you know going you know up the kidney meridian and down mm-hmm. the heart meridian or or whatever um, and so you know they're calm or they're awake you know they're awake because you know their heart is you know now you know more balanced or yeah. whatever the thing is. Yeah. So what would you find in a, in a little newborn's finger? What, 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 what are you looking for? So you're looking for um, specifically um, in the index finger, um, and it usually disappears by the time they're two years of age, but there's a vein, there's a blood vessel that goes there. Hmm. And so if you... Which, which hand? That it doesn't matter. Well, it, it, some people say it doesn't matter. Some people say it's a specific one in the in a female and a specific one in uh, a male. But I, it, you know, you can't always get to both fingers in an <laughs> ICU. So yeah. I just go for the index finger I can get to. <laughs> um, and and so if you push towards the heart and allow the blood vessel to refill, um, it, how far you can see it from where the joints are. Um, actually tells you how far the pathogen has has gone in, so to speak. Uh-huh. And so you want it to be, you know, closer to that, you know, first one. You know, in other words, maybe somebody had a little asthma or pneumonia or something like that. But the farther out, I mean, this is really fascinating to me because, I, you know, it's really true. If somebody, for example, has um, a trisomy or a congenital genetic problem, um, the blood vessel will go all the way out to the tip um, of the finger. 
and that shows that it is actually penetrated. And, and what could be more penetrated than something that you're genetically born with? Right. So, is um, it something you feel or can you see you can anything? See you can see it. You can see it. See oh, it. Wow. It's fascinating. Not that that would be necessarily something I would point out to right. a family, but um, but again, I think when you're educating, you know, residents and people around you, that you know, this is yet another thing that you can notice, mm-hmm. and even just um, putting your hand over um, the different burners, you know, you know, the chest, the middle, the lower burner, mm-hmm. and feeling the difference in the heat when you you don't have to touch, you can just have your hand above. Is that like and the chakra? Palm. More like related to to the chakra system, or how? Where, where, how do you? Well, I. To me, it has to do with if I'm if I'm trying to understand in all the ways that I I give it context, yeah, it yeah, would be yeah. this is where the the blood flow is. Okay. If I was speaking with the energetic part of my brain, I would say it's where <laughs> right. most of the energy is concentrated. Yeah. So, um, but I think you know if for example um, a child has um, an abdominal problem, you know it'll feel increasingly warm yeah. as you go down feeling, you know, the burners from the chest down to the mm-hmm. belly. Um, and it's just, again, not something I particularly learned in medical school, but I think it, you know, it really says something. And and sometimes you can go back and you can say, wow, this is going to make me now go look at something else that I may not have focused on so much yeah. before because I'm getting the, this information and how kids smell. And sometimes people are, what do you mean how kids smell? Well, you know. We all know how somebody smells when, um, for example, they have ketoacidosis, when they have diabetes. We know Uh what that kind of sweet smell is. I mean, you can't always put words to it, but you know what it is. I said, well, why is this any different when you're smelling other things about someone or you're noticing color changes in the ear or you're noticing flaking of dry skin in a part of the body that that can give you more information right it's just kind of hype more i don't even know if it's hyper awareness it's just increased awareness just what you're asking your patients to do you're asking your patients here here's a suggestion i'm giving you this you know together we've come up with this plan go back notice make observations and then come back and we'll talk about what you noticed from doing this it's the same thing you're you're just noticing more maybe Yeah, and in, in, in a in a challenging situation where you don't know exactly what the diagnosis is, and you're trying to you're trying to mm-hmm. work on things, you might know one system's having troubles, something else is going on. You notice the flaking of the skin, you notice mm-hmm. the acrid breath, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Those are all like pieces that you're trying to put together and see. Have, mm-hmm. have I've seen this pattern before, and mm-hmm. maybe it could be this. I mean, that's I think people don't always realize that you know we kind of hypothesize. And test within you know as, as minimal risk possible, and then we try to see what sort of you yes. know how how they respond. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. and it's 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 something that I feel like people think they just bring the you know the the, the baby or themselves to a doctor, mm-hmm. and that it's just like I hear the symptoms, I look at you, and I got this figured out. Yeah, and you know we can figure out maybe ninety percent, mm-hmm. but there's always part of this that you want to make sure that you're open to that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's mm-hmm. actually, I think sometimes it's the people who think they know everything that end up having more <laughs> problems as yes. health providers. So. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. 
That's, that's you know, but that's also, you know, part of that when you said, what else do I like? I also like that balance of being in the clinic where you can always have somebody come back. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they're there. Building the relationships yes, with them. exactly. And, you know, okay, well, I didn't see this last time, but I see this this time. Mm-hmm. What are you noticing? You know, having that, yeah, that continuity of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and now you're kind of also not just in clinic you're getting you're kind of getting out in the public a little bit more mm-hmm. to do to do more work what is what, what is that you know work like now i think you know part of it is is spreading the word yeah but part of it is also mentoring other people to begin to you know be the next generation of yeah. of people to do that so part of my academic responsibility is to um mentor, for example, residents or fellows, um, you know, to do abstracts and things like that to be able to present, you know, the work. And so one of the things that we have just completed was a virtual reality study in uh, patients, uh, children in an intensive care unit who are exposed to um, videos of nature. Uh-huh. And so that will be presented, you know, what's going to be presented in Beijing, and then hopefully it'll be presented in um, some place in the United States next year. Uh-huh. So that's, you know, that's exciting. I think that's that's appropriate for this career stage and, yeah. you know, what, yeah. what um, you know, I feel like I need to be doing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's, I, I'm I'm not quite as far along as you, <laughs> but because I've I've been out at Northwestern and done mm-hmm. done some lecturing and been on some panels and stuff, I I always tell the students that they can they can email me anytime yes. they want to, yes. and it's it's really interesting to to sort of see the the questions that that people have. I think you know, in all, all of us go we go through school thinking, you know, the world looks one way and that's the way I'm. This is how I want to you know practice mm-hmm. or something. And then all of a sudden you get exposed to all this stuff and it's like that sense of, you know, equilibrium shifts a little bit. And maybe maybe I'm kind of feeling pulled towards peds. And this is where mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of people who are like, how did you get into this, mm-hmm. this world of, you know, pediatrics? And I and I try to kind of and, – and where do I start studying that? And, yes. And, you know, kind of yes. getting into all that. So, right. so you're doing some of that work too? Yes. And um, – a few years ago, we um, actually, um, one of Northwestern Health Sciences University's graduates uh, from the LAC program, the master's um, in Oriental Medicine program, um, really expressed an interest. You know, she had done that um, acupoint session with the clinical supervisors here. And she really, when she graduated, she said, I, I, I really, just what you're saying, I want to do more peds and I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. What, what can I do? And so... Um, I went to Northwestern and said, would you like, can we do this fellowship together for this person? And so we did this six-month clinical fellowship. And um, I don't know that that's ever been done in the country before. At least the people at Northwestern didn't think it had, that somebody actually, you know, was able to do that. Um, you know, with a physician in a hospital—that's a, that's a great idea. I mean, that kind of that kind of mentorship and apprenticeship type thing. Just yeah. you, you used to be the way that we, I think, we actually learned mm-hmm. better. And I and I do some of those things for people, but it does get to a point where I only have so many hours. <laughs> I right. can only do so many of these right. things, and so I kind of pick and choose my my for my sure. People, but. Yes, but that was um, really uh, wonderful, and um, and I think you know. I think we were able to share perspective oh, about so great. about that, and then I have um, a two week elective um, 
for the pediatric residents um, where they're able to shadow. And then we have different experiences. Sometimes I actually take them shopping. We go to Seward Co-op and I take them shopping and I show them how to read labels and what this label really means and things like that. And we talk about that. And so that's kind of fun. Um, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, Go, going yeah. back to the, the, I'm curious about the the person who you who mm. had sh- was yeah. with you for this program for yeah. six months. What did you learn from that? Um, well, that I think one thing that we learned together, an early an early stage of our learning together, yeah. was about how I did things for myself in self care that I needed to pass on quickly. Because it's it's hard to work in a hospital, yeah, and yeah. Um, and and that that should that that self care should be part, I think, of all healthcare practitioner and providers' education, not as an option, you know, but hopefully embedded in the curriculum of of everything. And yeah. whether you're a medical student or a massage therapy student or you're an acupuncture student or whatever. Yeah. Um, can you, share, so, can you share any of those? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, uh, I, I mean, I learned qigong early, early on, yeah, yeah. and about you know, I mean, to me, I mean, everybody has a different definition of qigong. To me, it's a very personal thing where each person has ideally their own prescription for themselves, um, and so I got my own prescription and continued for some time in in obtaining that knowledge of what I needed for the kind of work that I did. And so um and so we talked about some of those things mm-hmm. and um, so like breathing and, and movement type things. Out, yes, breathing, movement, setting about how do you set boundaries? Energetic boundaries. Yeah. I, yeah. I had I had a teacher when I was in, yeah. in when I went to massage school actually who yeah. was like a, a Qigong master and he Yeah, you he, have to, he, right? He he gave me one really great piece of advice. And that that was he you know he was talking about when people come you know it's sort of like the energetics of of dealing with you know someone in in need of something f- mm-hmm. from you and and it was and it was sort of like it, it really helped me think about how i what my boundaries were how open i left myself mm-hmm. or how, how how much i was able to sort of like keep a certain amount of protection in a situation where someone's coming in highly anxious highly stressed how to keep your calm Till that till that wave of energy goes past, mm-hmm. basically, right? <laughs> right, know? exactly. And then you know maybe open yourself more. Like it's like this. It's almost kind of this this energetic tug of war that mm-hmm. you can kind of do with people. And mm-hmm. it, it was like the way he described it. I still use to this day. It was like yes. such a powerful way of thinking about. I, I don't want to. I don't want to disappear just because I can't handle this stressful situation. Mm-hmm. I want to stay present, mm-hmm. but also keep this. You know, yes, that's great. And that it's different, you know, different days. Yeah, exactly. You know, again, that that has a, an ebb and a flow just for, for you as an individual, yeah. you know. Um, and it's just, I can, for sure, we didn't talk about that in medical school. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I think that that's changing. I think people are starting to incorporate more of that um, in medical school curricula. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, but, but I think, you know, even like... What do you do with it? You know, do you do you have you know these Klingons when you go home at night, or what do you? Yes. Where are they, and where does that live in your in your body, in your mm-hmm. brain, and how mm-hmm. do you how do you dissipate that? Um, if if even the things that you did, still there's going to be stuff, yeah. and so what do you do with that? And um, so I think we had a lot of discussion about that, and that 
you know, not realizing that that was something that I could, could, should pass on and teach. Um, and that, um, you know, because now it's just habit. Now I do it without thinking. But, right. but you know, when you're going to continue to do this work, you know, what you need to, that's part of the learning. So, um, and then, um, and then also just, you know, how, how you, one approaches a patient has some commonality for people, but also some differences. So just um, supporting and learning how she did things and approached people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of back and forth learning. Uh, and I, I really, it was a great experience, um, you know, for me as well as for her. Oh, that's so yeah. great. Yeah. Do, 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 how, can you be funded then through this grant? I mean, how does, oh, how does it work? We just we just came up with a, a mechanism where we, <laughs> well, and this is this is you know I, I mean this I, this is a personal thing. I think you know when you're an academic fellow in medicine, it means that it still comes back to me to you know you value what you 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 pay for, right? right? right. And even though this was a learning experience for her, I really felt like she needed to be paid. I was paid as a fellow. And uh, so that's what the um, arrangement that we worked out oh, together. That's, great. that's, yeah. that's a really good idea. And some, not everybody agreed with me. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's fine, but you're not doing it. And, um, and this, is, this is the way I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and Northwestern Health Sciences agreed with that. And so, you know, that's how we did it. And so, I mean, again, just, you know, they're great, great, great collaborators. Think outside the box. And it was just awesome. But she was also, I also thought that, that it was important for her to be able to explore stuff that I didn't, you know, have access to. You know, you go to the University of Minnesota and take, you know, a course. Well, as part of this, you're able to take, you know, a semester-long course, what is it that you want to take? And she took Tibetan medicine. Mm. Again, totally different perspective on things and brought that back to me yeah. and taught me a, a bit about that. Right. So, um, so it had all those different components. It had, you know, the, you know, the experiential part. It had the academic part where, you know, we wrote papers that were published um, and, um, and also that, that learning that, something that you didn't know before right? kind of aspect. So I don't know. I just thought that was just kind of a unique and amazing experience for the people who are involved. So, yeah. 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 So I didn't prepare you for this, but sometimes I, I like to ask my guests <laughs> um, if, if you, if you had another, another chance for another career or in, in your, when, when you grow up or in uh-huh. your next life, however you want to look at it, what, yeah. what, what else would you, would, would you do or would, would you have done? Um, well, I still have a lot left, a lot of time left. <laughs> so um, I think um, I think some of that will be will be writing more. Yeah. Um, but not just this, but other things that 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 I've experienced in my life. But I don't regret that I haven't done that yet. I really think that every. I mean, I've essentially had you know three different careers i yeah, think yeah. you know and that's one of the beauties of actually being in medicine uh, is that i could have three three different careers you know intensive care general pediatrics and now integrative yeah. practice so that you know having that flexibility i have i wouldn't do anything differently because each one of those things informed the next thing that came yeah. and makes my practice what it is now yeah. um, but in the future yeah i'd like to write more have, have you done any? Have you have you written a book yet? 
No. Okay. But I, it's there. But it's, it's but in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Everybody can, has one. I can one see night. it for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I never thought I was going to host a podcast, but it's it's one yeah. of those things that I think. And it, it, it started to bring in my, you know, writing skills mm-hmm. and all these other things that I had been doing already, interviewing my, my patients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it does create this balance. But I've, I've gotten to a point where I'm so busy with other things mm-hmm. that I, I've had to sort of, you know, challenge myself to my what's what's the balance look like now right. you know it's like you can we kind of keep going through that mm-hmm. and and i and i think this is something that i'm going to do for a while and I, I i like some of these some of these conversations that i've had have been the most enriching things i've done in the last 10 mm-hmm. years my, yeah. maybe in my life and so it's i feel like that's a really important part but so are all these relationships that i've had in my practice mm-hmm. and i don't really want to change that either so it's like just kind of figuring out the the, the the formula for right. for now yeah could you could you imagine giving this up or you know seeing seeing people this way um i don't know it'll probably be <clears throat> excuse me it'll probably be in another way i think um i'm not sure what that way is nah. yet you know i'm also very attracted to um you know acupuncture without borders mm, um yeah, yeah. you know um I think, you know, what I do now is very diverse and, you know, there are many components to it just being in an academic health center. But if it was in a little bit of a different way, I could see that, you know, continuing, um, but with a, with more of a focus. And I just picked that as an example because uh, I, I think I, it's... I, I understand. Yeah. I have some yeah. of that, too, going mm-hmm. on right now with, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd like to start doing a little more fundraising for... Mm. Uh, populations just that I'm very connected to, mm-hmm. which are, you know, I, I think there's a lot going on with with mothers, with new mothers, mm-hmm. with single parent mothers, and and just with with kids in general. Like right. I feel like there's there's never enough care that mm-hmm. we can offer kids. Right. You know, especially you know I think that we're, we're we're understanding more and more how to how to support kids from mental health perspective, and uh, you know I think that's. That's something that we could do a better job with mm-hmm. and, yes. and support a little bit more. Absolutely. And they're so they're so open to you know developing these relationships. And mm-hmm. I, you know I'd like to try to work on some fundraising around that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, thanks so much for doing oh, this. This has you. been so so nice, and I, I I'm sure we will stay connected somehow through all, all your your next steps and right my next career. And I can't <laughs> your next career. I can't wait to read your book. Thanks. All right, thanks, Lynn. Dr. Lynn Gershon, folks, really hope she writes those books at some point. A lot, a lot of good information I know that she's collected over the years. And, you know, the thing about integrative health is that it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a very nuanced approach that takes education, experience, and instinct. And I think one of the challenges that we face in these uh, bigger health systems is that there are some restrictions from this, uh, the use of this instinct and the art of medicine. And I, I see people like Lynn being able to work themselves into these bigger systems and find ways to, to, to bring in new ways of looking and uh, new perspectives in care. And it's, it's really an exciting thing, and I'm so glad that she took the time to have this conversation with me. Um, thanks, for, thanks for listening again. Uh, don't forget that our contest on Highway to Health is still going on, and it's been extended through the end of February. So I'd like to hear about your work and what you're doing to improve the lives of our collective experience. Um, 
I'll be picking one of your projects and have you here as a guest on Highway to Health to share the story of your project and its mission. You can email me at jeremy at highwaytohealthpodcast.com. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.